0: Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Naziyati Muhammad Yaakob, your host for Talk Architecture Podcast. And in this episode, we b- will be talking about design inclusivity or design with disability access in mind. How to design smartly, how to be um, subtle about it, not making it like a medical building, how to be including other people into your design and making it like it is smart, not something that is put together because of compliance. Architects and designers. They were were taught in architecture school to think or be mindful of the functional aspects of design. And your clients would as well when you prepare your drawings for submission. But like in the phrase that has been said by Vitruvius 2,000 odd years ago, you need to have these three things. It is structurally sound it is functional, and it is beautiful. So sometimes you get to think too much about the beauty part of it and less about the functional part of it because functional design is, at the heart of it, really detailed design. It's got to be waterproof. It's got to do all the things it needs to do to make it well-tempered and, you know, some thermal comfort is happening so that you won't use energy excessively and you know able to operate, able to function well, able to do the activities that you need to do in the building. So, what about this disability access? It's something new. Do I have to include everyone? Yes, you do have to include everyone. And you try to include as many people as possible. And at the end of the day, you probably can't include 100% of the population. I'm talking about the seriously disabled people, obviously, you know, those who are needing longer wheelchairs, bigger wheelchairs, bigger bigger accommodation and equipment. So for those, they need to stay in hospital or hospice or a bigger space, you know, with a lot of assistance. So so when you generally want to design something for a client who didn't ask you didn't ask for those things you you still want to uh, um uh, your design able to take in as many people to be included in the building now we're not talking only about wheelchair users we're talking about everyone even those with learning disabilities or have intellectual disabilities and certain colors or certain way of designing is better than others. So as an architect, as a designer, you're thinking, well, I'm interested in this certain way of designing. And this is really not helping me at all because, I mean, I have to tone down on my colors. I have to um, don't use certain materials because it's, it could be could aggravate. Uh, someone in the autism spectrum, you know, you kind of like thinking, I'm just gonna do what I want. I want to do, and this is my signature design. So that's the ego thing that's happening to a designer and architect. Let's face it. Let's put it out there that, uh, including myself, I have a certain way that certain materials, certain colors, certain feel that I like to have in my design. Although I don't do much of design, but. If I were to be designing some public building, I'd want certain things to happen, right? So, and then, you know, how much of yourself are you going to give to others? This is the crux of it all. As a designer, how much of of you as a creator, as a creative, as someone who makes the decisions in creativity, how much of yourself are you going to give away or you're going to like put aside because you, you're you thinking or you're empathizing with the user. You want to include as many people in this design of a public building. Perhaps you're doing a community center. Perhaps you're doing um, a museum or a gallery. You know, one one would think about the art more than, uh showcasing the art or a showroom, yeah, you know, showcasing cars rather than the user going around. Yeah, you know, one would, you know, um there is the premise, there is the beginning or the client's brief interpretation, obviously. Well that's the the most important stage. When you start thinking how much you start visualizing to include persons with disabilities in your design. So um this is something that is conscious. It's a conscious decision. In the beginning, you have you have around you this legislation, the building codes and codes of practice, a practice around you, telling you to you know the availability of them to be referred to. But also, we understand, we understood that. This is about style. This is about the client's preference. If it's a domestic or private dwelling or private accommodation, then it's entirely up to the client what he or she wants it to become because they would be the one who's going to invite people into this space. But if it's a public setup, you know, even a, a, a family owned cafe or an intimate bar, you could exclude persons with disabilities um in, in maybe a historic building with um lack of facilities for access, which I I often find this complaint from from my friends in England because they use a lot of older buildings uh to have this nice cafes and, and stuff. And in Malaysia we do have that issue as well with old shop houses you know, rather than the new ones, and lack of access to some of these places. So you're limited in your choice. It's all about choice when it comes to accessibility in first world countries. It's all about choice, having a lot more choices. So the countries that are developing countries, such as in Malaysia, you know, Uh, If you don't have the money, you don't have the means, there'll be less choice. It's obvious like that. But in in other countries, um, they don't like to exclude people if they can. But still, those things happen, obviously, the um, access uh, to certain places where you have money. But that's more about the class thing or the culture of the society uh, or other segregation. But we're talking more about uh, just physical access, for person with disabilities more than anything else that is excluded. So we go back to the point of thinking about including as many people as possible when we do design and the act or that, that uh, endeavor or that um, action by the architect and designer, whether they want to give away Put aside the ego, or put aside the what they usually like when they deal with such a design. You know, put aside and think about ex- including as many people as possible into the design. So the topic for today actually is is um, to to um, get us to think about. Our ego, actually, our self in in when we as a designer juggling all these possibilities and how we we think through again and again, uh, learning new things, adding things, and wanting to get a balance in our design that is we don't want it to look like a medical facility with steel grab bars everywhere, you know. Uh yet we try to have the subtlety in actually including such features, or you call it accessibility features, into the designs in a way that is a good touch. Maybe an older person is your friend, so they want to come to this public facility and want to hang out, and that will help them a bit in negotiating the stairs. I've often come across staircases that doesn't have uh railings or handrail at the side which is you if in the case of falling down you don't have anything to grab you would you know it will be a bad fall so this little nuances um having less um you know like the, there's a toilet facility and and it being accessible for a wheelchair user or it is manageable somehow with a little tight space that you need to deal with. It's uh, the sort of thing that that makes you feel better in a sense as a designer to include other people. If you have that attitude, you know, it's a public facility. But you know, I did contradict myself yesterday when. When we were discussing about the students' first project, and I said that, yeah, okay, we don't want them to dwell too much on um, inclusivity because it's a, uh, we want them to deal with this um, uh, meditation space, you know. I mean, personally, as a disabled person who who goes around in a wheelchair, it's great if I could. Enter a space and be part of of the space with everybody, but there are conditions that I have to go through, and I have to clean my tires. If you don't, you normally take off your shoes, right? So I I come to some conclusions about myself, and I could even do meditation or prayer in my wheelchair in an outdoor space. I mean, there are ch- choices for me to actually be be um be doing the thing that I like to do. You know, um, when you go to a facility that's called meditative space, you sort of think it is an alone thing. You, the act of meditating is you have to go and con- an individual has to concentrate on their own self, not other people. You know, there's no social interaction. It's just deep breathing and and concentrating on the, the, the levels of breathing, concentrating and being mindful, be present in the moment. And the scene around you or the environment really helps in actually hearing the birds chirping or, you know, the light breeze or the rustling of the leaves. So, you know, that sort of induced you to uh, a very temporal, a very uh, suggestive in the sense of being mindful or or focusing on yourself. So if I had a choice to go to a place where it's kind of accessible um, and it's watertight and I can just sit there for an hour or so minding myself. And I don't know. I mean, if I was doing that, I, I, I mentioned to the other lecturers about the brief. And I said, students, they might think they want to do everything accessible, but um, that could be choices rather than just saying, uh, you have to make everything accessible. You have to think about what we use. Everything, you know, it's like it end up being a five-weeks project of going into all these functional things, but the project is about meditative space and how the other senses, besides... Um being uh, physical or going around the other senses need to actually be taken care of, and that could be a place where you need to climb or a bit of stairs or a bit of um, those things will happen you know in 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 the hypothetical setting so so just being been giving my opinion that you don't have to go and impose on the students to think about accessibility is number one. Because, you know, this is the thing that we're talking about again about the topic of including, of inclusivity, designing with inclusion, not wanting it to be totally a medical building. Because even disabled persons, not all of us are human rights activists or demanding our rights. We demand our rights strategically. Because if you feel that you have been bullied or harassed or... um neglected just say if you're in your condominium and you can't do much and you're paying the same with everybody else that's something else we're talking about you know those are things that different contexts of things the students will at the end of the day be mindful of this and they may have to make a decision like everybody else when you're an architect you get a you get um a commission you'd be thinking about um you talk to the client do you want Hundred percent accessibility. I say, okay, now maybe seventy percent. You know, those are some decisions. You even if you don't talk to your client, you make the decision as well. You start thinking, uh, how much of including people should I can I do a design that's so subtle that I can include a hundred percent of people or almost ninety percent, ninety-nine percent of people into this building? Now that is really talking about thinking through and actually working out and reflecting a lot and doing your studies. And we're talking about material, we're talking about construction, we're talking about details, we're talking about ambience, everything. So, you know, when we ask the question, what sort of an architect should you be? Then if you're the architect who is mindful, who looks at subtleties, who are very sensitive to what you design, And, okay, plus the fact that your client says this is a good design and you managed to convince your client as well. Why not, you know, have that repertoire or that skill with you so that you could actually be that person who you want to be, you know, and feel good about it. So putting aside our ego and actually designing for others, serving others is one step at another level for an architectural uh, designer, designer or an architect. With that, I also like to inform you that you could actually join my Facebook group, Smart Design with Disability Access in Mind. And you could sign up for the course as well. Just contact me and... Um, that's not a problem at all. You know, we could do something, but, you know, go to the Facebook group and do DM me, Naziati Yacob. Okay. But, um, you know, that, that will be, it it will, it will not just be about laws or disability discrimination acts or legislation or regulation around you, forcing you to, to deal with the issue. It's about being that architect that you want to be who actually create a, more choices for people to to be involved in your building and having a, a solution or a design that that, you know, is kind and gentle and caring. So why not, you know? So that is all for today in this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. See you in the next podcast.